It's your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. It's Wednesday, November 29th, and we have a good one today. We have a very good one. Wednesdays are also our Patreon Wednesdays, so just make sure to click the link below to sign up for our Patreon today. What am I going to talk about today? Oh, a few different things that I, you know, I'll get deep into, but we're also going to talk about the Love Has One documentary, which is insane. It's officially insane. It's on Max. You know I'm a big fan of cult documentaries. You know I love covering this kind of stuff. So we will definitely be talking about that, um, plus a couple other things. And, you know, we are chugging along this week. We're doing our thing. And then this morning, of course, I wake up to hear this Hollywood Reporter article, which is just... It's concerning me, you guys. It's concerning me about AI Gary. Gary. So we're going to get into all of that. Plus, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, some um, housewife news, and of course, Dancing with the Stars conversation since that was last night. And then we will, of course, touch on Winter House even though I kind of don't want to. For those of you that are new here, thank you so much for subscribing to the channel. Make sure to subscribe and give it a thumbs up. Set your bell. Helps me so much. If you guys show up here live, I have such a great loyal amount of doisers. That's your new names, your doisers, dosers that come here uh, every single day and either listen on the audio version or watch here on YouTube. And I've gotten so many DMs that I'm your number one or number two or number three top played podcast of the year in the Spotify wrapped, which is so freaking cool. Um, I've gotten a lot of those, uh, of a lot of uh, DMs about it. So really, really sweet. Okay, let's get into today's show. So much is going on, you guys, so much. All right, so let's start with couple little things of news. Okay. Let's start with talking about the, hold on one second. Let's start with talking about the Dancing with the Stars last night. Okay. So Dancing with the Stars aired last night with, it was the semifinals. Now the semifinals of Dancing with the Stars, I don't watch the show regularly enough. If I'm going to be a hundred percent honest to know like what, how many people normally enter the semifinals, but this week was, or this season is five couples, right? So we were there at the quarterfinals last week and this week is going into the show was Allison Hannigan. That's, you know, band camp girl. And she was on Buffy and stuff. We have Ariana Maddox, of course, from Vanderpump Rules, what, like most of your guys' favorites. We have Soshi. She's an actress that's in like a bunch of Marvel movies. Of course, Jason Mraz, who I know a lot of you guys love, the singer, and Charity from The Bachelorette. So when we were there last week in person, I mean, you could see in person how amazing these people were on the dance floor. All of them are incredible, incredible dancers. However, the only one that I would say lacks the real like strong ability to dance the way, you know, almost like an expert would be Allison. Not saying anything bad about her. She's adorable and she's the cutest and she seems like the sweetest. And I think she is really kind, but I just don't think she has that natural ability to really fully like dance like a pro, like Soshi and Ariana. I think Soshi, Ariana, and Jason, to me, are my favorite, my top three. 
So of course, going into last night's episode, they each danced a bunch of times and it was a beautiful show. I watched just recaps, highlights because it airs so late. You guys, well, it airs late everywhere. It airs at 8 p.m., which I guess is not that late. But by 8 p.m. already over here, I need to catch up on like the Real Housewives, right? So I watched the recaps. I just watched like little highlights of it. And then when it came to the elimination. And this was the big nail biter. And I know a lot of you guys are posting about it in the Daily Dose of Donna Facebook group and all over the place about how crazy this was. But essentially, the first, uh, spoilers, by the way, spoilers, which are we, al we're allowed to spoil Dancing with the Stars the day after its live show, right? But the first person that was free or not free, um, would advance, safe, I should say, the first person that was safe and that would advance to the finals next week was Allison Hannigan, which was shocking because Allison Hannigan was the obvious choice to go. Not for any other reason. It just she's just not the best, right? So everyone was all freaking out about that. Cause that means if Allison's staying, that means Jason, Soshi, Ariana, or Charity is going home. So then I'm thinking, okay, Charity is gonna go home for sure, right? Jason gets through. So now it's between Charity, Soshi, and Ariana. So of course, the next person that's going to be safe will be Ariana or Soshi. Well, it's Charity. So now everyone is freaking out. There's yelling in the studios. People are going crazy on their socials, freaking out about this. Ariana starts to tear up because I think Ariana also knows that like Soshi in general, Ariana is an amazing dancer, but Soshi is undeniably an expert dancer. Like she is so freaking good. And her scores have always been better. Carrie Ann always like gave Soshi better scores, which by the way, it's pretty crazy because Carrie Ann struggles with Ariana for some reason. She just doesn't give her a lot of um, high scores. Like yesterday she gave her and Allison on one of the dances the same score, which is just kind of crazy to think about it. But Ariana did end up getting a perfect 30, 10 out of 10, three judges. Um, which was really sweet to watch. So now it's Ariana and her partner, Soshi and her partner standing there. They know one of them is going home. Of course, the Dancing with the Stars, you know, 10 second, 20 second wait where you're like, and the next person that is going to be safe is, and then it's just the most insane long silence ever. Both of you. And they fall over. Like they can't get over it. My son was saying, it doesn't look like I was watching that with our, with Oliver, the eight-year-old. And he goes, it doesn't look like so she is very happy about that. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Like if you go back and watch their faces, I think so she thought, oh, this is finally the week that Ariana gets to go home. I don't think it means like that there's any bad blood. I don't think there's any bad blood. But I think that she knows that Ariana is one of her toughest competitors. And if she's going to lose to anyone, probably it would be Ariana. So I think so. She was secretly kind of like, okay, if Ariana goes this week, that's better for me next week. But they all stayed. Ariana was bawling. She was so emotional. It was very sweet to watch. Allison couldn't handle it. Like no one could like believe it. So we're going into season 25 final night with five dancers, five dances. I'm trying to get tickets to the live show for the finale. That would be really fun to be there. So we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm assuming because it's a two hour live show, I'm assuming that they're going to eliminate people throughout the show. And then they'll end up with their final two towards the end. I'm guessing 
Okay, I want it to be Ariana and Sochi, but I think it may be Jason and Sochi. I don't know why. I think so Ariana has such a huge fan base, though. A lot of you guys are wondering, do you think that they, you know, switch keeping all five in last minute because they saw that Ariana was going to go, go home and they didn't want her to go home or so she was going to go home. To be honest, I really don't. I think that these things are way more planned than usual. Like a lot of us believe that, oh, they're switching it around last minute, which I have a, a couple thoughts about that, about another show I'll mention in a second. But like Big Brother, think about Big Brother. You know how there's weeks, there's a few weeks kind of in those elimination weeks where they say no one's getting eliminated tonight. Um, In those cases, that's a production plan that's like done weeks in advance, meaning they're looking at their week schedule and they're trying to kind of place it out. I would imagine that sometimes things have to shift like, you know, I don't know if someone leaves a show early or gets injured and has to walk away, but I don't know exactly. I think that this was a planned thing. I don't think this had anything to do with losing anyone. And I always wonder, you know, no offense, Dancing with the Stars, but I always wonder about these voting shows like American Idol, Dancing with the Stars. America's Got Talent. Aren't they all voting shows? Like how legitimate are they? For real, how legitimate are the, like how can they really count so many votes so fast and, and do the scores matter at all or is it just the votes? And also what's very frustrating and those of you on the West Coast <clears throat> will understand this, that the voting we're used to on the West Coast watching everything that's live three hours behind, unless it's like the Golden Globes or the Oscars or the Super Bowl, like sporting events. We see things three hours behind when they air on the on the East Coast. Like, for example, any of the Real Housewives show, you guys are watching it at 8 or 9 p.m. on the East Coast and I can't watch it. I don't have direct TV, which would give that option to me. So I can only watch it, you know, at 5 p.m. or what I mean, at 8 p.m. my time, which is 11 p.m. your time. So it sucks because I'm usually getting all these spoilers and clips way before it airs. But I think that, um, you know, for me, I think that on a show like Dancing with the Stars where there's live voting, it's pretty unfair for the West Coast that we don't have a chance to vote based on actually what we're seeing. Like the only reason to vote is because you have predetermined or predecided that you want Ariana or one of the other ones or whatever to stay in. So you can vote between 5 and 6 p.m. Pacific time without actually seeing the dances unless you're watching someone on Instagram or TikTok or whatever who's airing it live. So that part sucks, you know. Um, I wish there was a better way to kind of go around that. But I, I guess if the, it aired at 5 p.m. Pacific time, a lot of us are not even home from our days at that time. You know, we're doing things with our kids and running around and, you know, whatever. So we can only blind vote. Exactly. And I think that, um, I think that, you know, it's, it's nice to follow people. Like I've, I always watch on Dancing with the Stars Nights, shout out glorified gossip girl, um, on Instagram and then also Coca Makoka, my girl. Both of those, I love them so much. And they post live updates to um, Dancing with the Stars throughout the night because they're so invested. So those are good people to follow on Instagram. Um, I, I can try to type it in the comments later in case you're like, who? What? What did you say? So that happened. Um, but I'm very excited for them. And I think that it's just unbelievable. Sometimes when I watch that VPR promo for next year, 
for next season, you know, where it's like really slow singing of the um, dancing, sorry, of the VPR opening. And they're showing footage from the group cast photo or the group cast like moment, you know, from last season. So basically you see Ariana and Tom laughing it up. Um, Sheena's there. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's hanging out. Tom, everyone's good. And then the music is like really, really slow, you know, singing, these are the best days. And then they crash and it's like so much can change in one year. Every time I see that clip and I really like look at it every time, I always feel so just in shock how much can change within a few months, right? Like, who would have known when they were filming that opening what would happen to Ariana's life? How Ariana went from basically just being an ensemble character and not even like a very big character on a reality show. Like, I would not say Ariana was the, the lead in any way of VPR. It was more the Katie's or, or I'm sorry, Katie and Sheena, I felt like as the girls, Lala. But now Ariana has gone from, you know, the, the, like, just one of many to such a star. Like, it's crazy. And then look at Tom, right? Tom has his own thing. And listen, he was on Special Forces this last season. I've watched a couple episodes, but we just haven't kept up. And it's been, you know, publicized everywhere that he was, spoiler alert, eliminated. Um, I think this week, I think he and JoJo were. And I think that a lot of people are finding that he, you know, he's paid his dues. Like, you don't need a root for Tom, but you don't need to hate Tom as much, right? Tom Schwartz, meanwhile, was on Watch What Happens Live last night, and I watched a few minutes of it, and I have some thoughts because it contains it contains Real House as a Salt Lake City and Winter House, so we'll get into that in a moment. Okay, another just little news, nothing crazy. Last night there was the um, the uh, DirecTV sponsored Christmas at Kathy Hilton's party. I believe it's for a charity. I don't know a lot of details about this. Like specifically, I know that it's at, it was at Kathy Hilton's house and it was, I'm assuming, a, um, you know, like a charitable event because that feels like something that you would do, you know, if you're having a big event with a red carpet and like a snap, uh, step and repeat and, and press. So it does say that, oh, here's the, all the pictures of it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's so many pictures of all of them, but basically they all were there to, you know, celebrate the holidays. And then of course for charity and, um, all these housewives and Bravo stars from across the across the country. We're there. Like I'm looking at pictures. We've got Meredith Marks. We have Gertie looking amazing. Crystal Minkoff, Sheena. So we had Kyle Richards, of course. Kim Richards was there. Um, the D'Amelio twin, uh, the D'Amelio sister, Dixie and her mom, Heidi, who were on Dancing with the Stars last season, they were there. Of course, we have this picture, which is quite shocking, I have to say. It is of Kim, Kathy, and Kyle. Kim Richards, Kathy Hilton, and Kyle Richards. Now, I'm going to leave our judgments for, I'm just going to reserve judgment. That's all. 
Kyle looks amazing. Kathy looks beautiful. Um, of course, Kathy's husband was there. Nikki Hilton was there. I didn't see Paris Hilton, which is funny because I'm so obsessed with Paris Hilton right now. Not like, not like really obsessed, but obsessed with that show, Paris in Love and her strange at the time that I'm watching fiance, but now husband, Carter. Weird, but I talked more about that yesterday. Um, James and Allie were there. Katie Maloney was there. So VPR, Teddy Mellencamp was there working for Extra. Crystal Minkoff, I said already. Um, just a bunch of them. And Winnie Rose was there, which I think was interesting because she was also on Watch What Happens Live last night. So clearly they didn't film Watch What Happens Live live because that was um, – that's in New York. There's no way that they filmed that last live. Oh, and then this one. This is the most shocking appearance, I think, of the entire night. Mary Cosby with a different face and dressed like a purple nun. It is unreal. I will be posting pictures of this on my Instagram stories later because it, what? I want to be in a room with Mary Cosby, Kyle Richards, and who else? I bet Mary, okay, I believe that Mary Cosby and Kim Richards probably had a spanking good time chatting, right? Sutton was not there from what I saw. Oh my gosh, look at Angie from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Tits out, Angie. Wow, wow, wow. Oh my God, that's a lot of boob. Um, I did not see Sutton and... Nick Vile, Nick Vile's uh, wife, I think they're married or th maybe they're just engaged and her pregnant belly were there. If you are on the YouTube, you will see a belly that literally is so, it's so odd to see a belly exposed like that at a Christmas party. Like I'm all about show the belly, you know, if it's hot out, wear your crop top, do your thing. This is an odd look considering everyone's like in long sleeve dresses and like, you know, fancy schmancy. Of course, Larsa Pippen was there because she'll never miss a red carpet. You know, she'll go to an opening of an envelope. Same with Heather Dubrow and Terry Dubrow. Um, so, okay. So it was, and then some selling sunset people, no Sutton, but there was a Sutton mention on the red carpet because someone asked Kyle Richards, who is on the Santa's naughty list today? And the first person she said was Sutton. She didn't even think about it. She said Sutton. Sutton's on the naughty list. Why does Kyle hate Sutton so much? I will not, like, I will not understand this. Why? Like, what? Sutton is, to me, I understand she's a little maybe of a shit stir or whatever, but that's the show. Like, name one housewife that isn't a shit stir. Name one. If you're not a shit stir on the show, you'll probably get fired. And even if you are a shit stir, maybe you're not stirring enough shit. So Sutton was definitely not, um, you know, she was not, I don't know if she was not invited. It's a little weird considering that the big storyline that she's bringing up on the show is that Kyle doesn't like her because she's close with Kathy. And at the time, Kyle was not. Maybe Kyle specifically told Kathy, you cannot invite Sutton. But noticeably absent were Garcelle, um, Lisa Rinna. I can't remember where Lisa Rinna and Kathy ended, but not good, right? Um, and. What other housewives are there in Beverly Hills? I think that's it. Oh, Dorit. Dorit wasn't there. Which a lot of you guys brought up something really interesting about Dorit. 
and then we'll get into the Golden Bachelor in just a moment. Dorit was at BravoCon this year. And if you were at BravoCon, one thing that you definitely noticed was that it was a lot of people, right? There was a lot of people. You're in Vegas. Like Vegas is filled with people. It's just like the city of people in casinos. BravoCon, you know, the the celebrities or the Bravo celebrities couldn't really walk without like a security team and tons of people around them, et cetera, et cetera. So it was very interesting that she is mentioned. And then I know that she was at BravoCon last year, which was last November in New York, which was also really crowded. It's just interesting that whole story at Garcelle's um, event when she was like, I can't be around more than, you know, so many people without having anxiety about it. I find that a little bit interesting considering that like, well, maybe not recently, but I feel like Dorit goes to a lot of events, a lot of openings, a lot of things. So a lot of appearances, but I guess she said she wanted to have a little bit more notice about that. Not here to judge anyone's anxiety. I just thought it was an interesting combo. Um, okay. Oh, and then so many of the housewives ended up at Crystal Minkoff's for a late night cocktail in her basement bar. We've we've seen this bar, the Speakeasy. We saw it get built uh, last season, and a bunch of them were there. Not any of the Richards. Rich, Kyle, Kathy, and Kim were not there. Teddy was not there. Um, but a bunch of them were there. Like Meredith was there and Whitney and Larsa and, um, and I can't remember. Sheena, of course, was there. Ah, that's so funny. Um, okay. So it was a good, it was a good night for the housewives here in Los Angeles. All right. Are we ready to get into the Golden Bachelor expose? So listen, we are here at, you know, two days, no, one day before the finale of The Golden Bachelor. The finale is tomorrow, November 30th. We've waited two long weeks to decide or to see if Gary has picked either Leslie or um, Teresa. I have my favorite, but I believe he doesn't pick my favorite that's where I'll leave it at. Now, Gary, we've been covering for this entire season, right? We've been covering AI Gary from the beginning because he's such a anomaly, right? Like he's a 70 year old man who is just so kind. Hello. Oh, golly gee, Williker. Oh, I love this night. Look at all these fine young women. Look at these. Thank you so much, Teresa, for putting your hand on my shoulder. Oh, Teresa, you are just one wonderful lady. Oh, hello. So I've always found it a little bit interesting to see him because it's rare. I'm just going to be honest. It's rare to see a man that feels so, hmm, like perfect, right? Woman too, but just when you're 70 years old, like you've gone through life, right? I'm 42 and I've gone through life. Like we all have skeletons in our closet that if I was on a reality show, I'm sure someone would come out saying like, oh, that one time that Donna hooked up with that one guy in the backseat of a car in college, you know, like it's always going to come out this way, right? So it was a little strange that when Gary got cast on the show, it was just perfect. There wasn't a lot of stuff about his history. There wasn't a lot of, you know, 
no Reddit threads coming out, no drama, no nothing coming out about it. And that's why I call him AI Gary, because not only do I feel like he has this kind of perfect life or perfect kind of personality where he's just so, just so kind, just so sweet. Not only that, but he's, he seems like he's just done nothing but, you know, feed the homeless and, and like take care of sick babies and, you know, um, just like be a good neighbor. He's like Mr. Rogers. Gary is the human version of Mr. Rogers, which to me is boring as fuck. Okay. I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. Like I know that these women want to win this competition, but Gary, if in the personality that we're watching and seeing on real on golden bachelor to me is like so boring. Like week two, I would be like, really? Oh my gosh. This is what we're, my life is like, we're just going to sit here on the dock and look at the, look at the ducks. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, Teresa would be really into it. I think Leslie's too cool for school for him to be hundred percent honest. But today we wake up to see a, a Hollywood reporter expose on Gary Turner. And it's a little, a little uh, scandy. I'm just going to be honest. So the author, Suzanne O'Malley and Barbara Lippert write, the golden bachelor is not so golden past. And this is just the the tagline. And then I'll give you guys a, a recap. It's a secret girlfriends, a juiced up resume, and the selling of a septua, septagenarian, septagenarian? That's a 78-year-old 78, 78 stud. The secret history of America's senior sweetheart, Gary Turner. Well, the way that they're setting it up actually makes it sound like he killed someone. He did not. But basically what they're saying. These are the big kind of bombshells that they have uncovered on the show. So the first thing is that they're talking about how he's being portrayed. Just like we're saying, Mr. Rogers, the first episode talks about his, um, his, he, him being a widow and his deceased wife, Tony, how she died. And they had just moved into this lake house and he was devastated and, and just crying in the interviews, et cetera. So really, honestly, I remember crying in that first episode saying, oh my God, he's got me. Remember, I was like, you guys have to give Golden Bachelor a try. And I'm not a Bachelor Nation person, but I just like loved his life. I just thought it was the sweetest thing ever. But then he was able to, you know, come into the house and start kind of like flirting and kissing and doing his thing pretty fast with all these. But he was still showing, you know, this high emotional IQ and just really sweet and like a listener and authentic that I have been, honestly, what they said in the Hollywood Reporter article, it says his whole persona seemed to have been cooked up in some perfect man lab. AI. That's the AI lab. I said it. So the ladies then start to fall for Gary. They're all really, really going for him. They're, they're obviously very excited. The show does very, very well. And he basically says, you know, he's coming off as this guy saying like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, I lost my wife in 2017. And since then I have not dated. I have had one kiss prior to the show. I haven't dated in 45 years because that's when he met his wife, Tony. So someone, uh, the Daily Show comedian, Lewis Black joked, this guy is like if the word G Willikers became a person. AI Gary. So he 
he's been talking about the fact that, you know, to get on the show, he's had to do a variety of background tests and, you know, evaluations, fingerprints, FBI checks, vetting process. And that's what they do on these bachelors. I think they're smart enough to realize that they cannot bring on maybe less so for the, like the contestants vying for the guy, but for the actual bachelor or the actual bachelorette, I feel like they're truly, you know, um, like looking to make sure that they're not bringing on some ex-convict, you know, they could really have some bad stuff happen if they do. So they do all this vetting. And then it says, but despite this vetting, the Hollywood reporter has discovered several inconsistencies regarding both his work history and romantic entanglements. So the question is, and I'm going to go through the, the inconsistencies and then we're going to decide where and why were these inconsistencies not being presented to the audience. Okay. So in the show, he's identified, you know how they always have the Chiron below you? So it's basically like Donna Bowling, podcaster, or, you know, on, it's it's usually a dental hygienist or like a medical assistant. Like that's what they always are, pharmaceutical rep. So it says that in the show, he's identified as a retired restaurateur, which is true, except upon further digging, they've realized that the last time he worked in the restaurant industry was 1985. He owned a hamburger drive-in restaurant in Iowa, and he worked there since high school, but in 1985, so we're talking 40, almost 40 years ago, he sold that restaurant. So when he was in his 30s. So that to me is a little bit weird, right? Like right off the bat, that feels a little weird. Like you would call, that would be like calling my mom a flight attendant when she stopped being a flight attendant in her 20s. She's had like many careers since then. But it does sound good to be called a retired restaurateur. Now, since 1985, he's had many sales and management jobs, mostly in the meat business, M-E-A-T. So I guess technically there's a little restaurant there. Um, but then um, the idea, the show is pushing that he retired at, in, at the age of 55 in 2006. But since then, he's done a lot of work. Now, whether this was for a financial reason, financial purposes, or maybe just because they needed to, you know, he wanted to like fill his time. But since then, he's worked in installing hot tubs for a pool company. And then he worked as a maintenance man at the Vera French Mental Health Center in Davenport, Iowa, and his colleagues have verified this and they all spoke very highly of him, okay? So he was definitely, uh, he's had jobs since his retirement and the most recently was a maintenance man at a mental health center, which no shade whatsoever, except for the fact that like, that's never been talked about. It's never been talked about, right? So then, it says it was in the latter capacity that he would come to know a woman. Now they call her Carolyn in this article, but that's not her real name. She worked at the mental health facility as I believe um, an accountant or something in the ad admin department. She was, oh, staff accountant. She was 14 years his junior. And they dated for 10 months and then lived together for a year and nine months. So they met before his wife died. But nothing actually happened until his wife died and he started texting with her, which is not bad. Like, you're allowed to date when you are 
a widow, it doesn't matter if it's one day or one month. I mean, that's on you. And a lot of times I believe that when people go through like heartbreaking divorces or deaths or whatever with the loved ones, it's almost like the easiest thing to do is jump right back into a relationship because you're scared to be alone. You've never been alone and you need distraction. I'm not against that whatsoever. But I guess the relationship got really, really, um, you know, hot and heavy. And the most important thing here is that on the show, on how, on, Golden Bachelor, he's never mentioned that he had a long-term relationship. He said very famously on the show that he's had one pre-show kiss since his wife died. That's it, which is not the truth. You know, he also dated another girl, uh, a woman, um, uh, a couple women, I guess a woman that worked at a local restaurant near his lake house said that like he would bring women in all the time and they would date and maybe not long-term, but he would have girlfriends again, not bad. It's just, why aren't we being told that part? Right? Why you don't even have to say it, but just don't say that I haven't dated since my wife's death. Right. Okay. So Carolyn, this woman that they're calling Carolyn, ended up, you know, being essentially what it sounds like is like a little bit of love bombed. They got really hot and heavy really, really fast. And he would text her things like, um, damn, I go to bed at night thinking of you and wake up in the morning. This article keeps like refreshing. I go to bed at night waking, um, you know, uh, thinking of you in the morning, waking up and, and, you know, whatever. And he's, he's using basically the same kind of verbiage that he uses with Leslie, which is what, and, and even Teresa, but more Leslie, which is like, I can't live without you. I need you in the morning. I need you at night. I need to live with you. Okay. Big freaking whoop, right? You would say this with a lot of women. That's no big deal. And it makes a woman feel good and that's fine. But then this is where I don't like it. So I guess she basically finally decided that she was going to work. She was going to move in with him at that lake house and it was going to be, she was going to work an hour away. Okay. So she was living in his home and it says eventually, yeah, it says Gary persisted in asking her to move in with him at the lake house for almost a year before she finally considered it. Eventually she fell hard. She would drive over to spend weekends with him at the house. But after a year of the weekend, she finally agreed to move in with him. And he, and he promised her mom that he was going to marry Carolyn. So she quit her job, got a new job, which was an hour commute from the lake house. Uh, she arrived the last weekend of July, 2018. And the Hollywood reporter verified this with mail, et cetera. And then the surprises started. So this is where I don't like this. You guys, this is where it's weird. He told Carolyn that her share of the expenses would be about a thousand a month which Carolyn negotiated down to 850. They would go Dutch, that means split half half on all meals except on special occasions. She remembers him telling her and at restaurants, this is so crazy. This is really really weird. At restaurants, he she would have to pay her half in advance. So when the check came, Gary paid the whole tab like the big man. I don't like it. He was also fastidious about cleanliness. He forced her to make the bed every single morning before she would, you know, come upstairs. And then the final thing was that she gained about 10 pounds and, uh, let's see, she was going to his, um, high school reunion in October, 2019. And he said, I'm not taking you to the reunion looking like that. 
pointing to her body. She put on 10 pounds from stress. The disinvitation led to the breakout breakup. He told her to be out by January 1st, 2020. And while she was packing alone, she was so frazzled that she fell down the stairs requiring requiring a trip to the ER and foot surgery the following day. And he basically said, you know, I believe that you're making this up to prolong your stay and that you're planning on suing me. And meanwhile, um, she eventually left and that was it. Three years have since passed. Okay. The finale is tomorrow. He's going to pick the last one. He cries saying, you know, this was the hardest thing since my wife's death, or this is the second one since, you know, my wife's death or whatever. Or like my wife's death was the worst I've ever felt. And this is a pretty damn close second is he, what he says. Okay. This is a case of, he said, she said in a lot of ways. And I want to believe this Carolyn woman. At the same time, we also have to understand that like how many of your exes can you talk so well about, especially if they're being portrayed as this amazing human being on one of the biggest, you know, shows on ABC, millions and millions and millions of people are just fawning over your ex-boyfriend. Maybe that would upset you and you would be like, no, I want to tell the world. I do believe there's probably a version of the truth here, which is basically he, he ended things with her and broke her heart. And maybe he was an asshole towards the end. Or, you know, with the money things, like I think all of that could be true. But I think the worst part about this is that we were sold as the audience and the women, right? Leslie, Teresa, all the women he ended up with or got really close with were sold this idea about this perfect specimen of a man, right? This AI Gary. And he's not an AI perfect man. And I understand he may have been very forthcoming and honest about this with producers and producers very easily may have said, Hey, this does not fit the narrative of what we're trying to do here, which is a sob story, which is to bring a lot of people, you know, immediately to fall in love with you. And if they find out that not only did you, you know, your ex-wife died or sorry, your wife died and left you brokenhearted, not only that, but you haven't dated until this moment. That's the story. Whereas, you know, if you said, yeah, I had a living girlfriend, I've been dating around, I've been hooking up, I've been going to the bar with these women, I've been hooked, you know, getting laid and this and that, then you're just another man, right? So I think, in my opinion, Gary was probably honest, like, yeah, I've dated. And the producers are like, we're going to leave that one out. However, Gary did lie saying he's only had one pre-show kiss on the Bachelor Happy Hour podcast. So I don't know. I don't know what to believe. What do you guys think? It's down to Leslie and Teresa. A lot of you guys are like me where you like Leslie more. I've talked about this openly throughout. I really like Leslie. But Teresa seems more like a puppy dog in love and maybe a little blind to like all the things. She looks like a little bit like la la la. So maybe those two would end up together and be best together. I don't know. I wonder what Gary's going out going through right now. I wonder if you know the bachelor production team is freaking out or they're just like, "Okay, F it. We have one more episode." Like our numbers are going to be huge now because people are going to want to tune in to see this Gary. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's what to say about it, but I knew AI Gary was too good to be true. Because if he really was that good and like hasn't kissed anyone or had one pre-show kiss in eight years, like boring. You want a little bit more of like a 
bad guy, right? Don't you want the And that's why Leslie was like, you know, it's so funny because Leslie, who's up in the final two, her older brother was like, you're not the kind of person that she normally dates. She normally dates the bad guy. And Gary's like, oh, I'm a bad guy. All right. Oh, I'm a bad guy. Remember the 69 episode? What, what uh, temperature do you like, Leslie? I like it 69. Ho, 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 ho. 69. Remember how he got up the next morning after hanging out with Teresa, how he, how he stumbled, how he like horse walked, you know, he like, uh, couldn't walk down the stair, <laughs> down the street. That Gary is wild. He's wild. Now, I don't think we, uh, leave Gary's side. I think we're still team Gary. I think it's very, very hard to find perfect men and perfect women, especially at that age. Like I said, So I'm still team Gary and I still want to watch the show. And don't you worry, I still will definitely be covering it on Friday morning here. So we are still in Golden Bachelor land. Let's move on to talk about last night's TV, which was all the cold shows. I look at Tuesday night as like the winter shows. It's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and Winter House. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Winter House because I feel like Winter House is just um, unwatchable. I'll start here. Winter House is unwatchable, okay? Winter House is the show that is on in the background, and I could care less. There's way too many cast members. We've got cast members from every single Bravo show on, but it wasn't, like, labeled as a, you know, like, a Bravo crossover event. So. I feel like we're watching just Winter House, but then all these other random Bravo people just show up. The cast is way too big. There is way too many people. There is way too many, you know, drunk hookups. Danielle drives me insane. I know that you guys are going to be upset with me, but Danielle Oliveira to me is the epitome of like Hot Mess Express. I've seen that on the last few seasons of Summer House. I saw it the way she was acting with Lindsay and Carl last year, the way she is with her own boyfriend. And then of course, the way she is with this random guy, Alex, that literally they've known each other for five days and they just have had sex a few times. And she's acting like a crazy ass, um, you know, like possessive girlfriend. I, I, I can't. I'll watch it because it's my job but I'm not interested and I don't care. Don't care. Now, Salt Lake City, on the other hand, is is really serving this year. Salt Lake City starts off yesterday with a meeting between Angie um, and her White House and the most gorgeous windows I've ever seen. Her view is insane. Like, I actually think Angie's house, a lot of you guys don't like it. To me, Angie's house is one of those houses I'm dying to go to. Like, I want to be in that house. I want to see those views. I want to be in that, on that, in that white kitchen. She has a charcuterie plate for her and Heather Gay to kind of go over the fight the week before, the bonnet fight. And, you know, as they sit there and eat, well, Heather's always able to enjoy herself, and I love that about her. Angie eats, like, you know, three morsels of bread. And then they talk, you know, very kind of monotone about Monica and how Monica's a loose cannon. Now, let me tell you, Monica is Jen Shaw 2.0. I really do believe this. Monica came from working with Jen Shaw. She's in there to stir the pot. She literally is an emotional roller coaster. She's angry. She's sad. She's happy. She's mean. She's quiet. She's emotional. It's like so much all at once. 
She has absolutely no filter. Her lips are so filled. She looks like someone I know, and I'm trying to figure it out. Is it like a reality star? Is it a celebrity? Like I have to try to figure it out. But honestly, her lips are so filled. She's like, she can't really communicate. It's it, She drives me nuts. I'm not a, I'm not a fan. So they're talking about how Jen, uh, Heather is like, I have to be a little careful. These are the kinds of people that I'm connected to or attracted to as friends, but I, I, I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be friends with her um, because they tend to burn her. They're talking about this Bermuda trip that they're supposed to do. Now, the next scene we have is Lisa Barlow with red glasses that are the size of my water cup. Okay. There's two of them like this. On the show, is this a trend in real life or is this just, this just like a Salt Lake City ski goggle look? They're all wearing ski goggles, but not ski goggles, like full face mask, like astronaut pink sunglasses in every single episode. It's so out of control. So Lisa Barlow, who I stan, I know it's not popular. I know a lot of you guys are really turning on Lisa Barlow this season. I like her. I don't know why. I do. She is having this conversation with Meredith. Meredith is Meredith is one that confuses me to be a hundred percent honest. Um, but she, they're, they're having a conversation also about Monica and about Angie and about the drama, because this is what, remember yesterday we talked about her the other day, Barbara from my daily dose of Donna Facebook group gave us the rundown of what every single housewife show is like. And this is it, right? Two girls get together and talk about these people. Two other girls get together and talk about these people. It's like, it's so obvious, but you know, they they all think everyone's two-faced. They all think everyone's fake. Lisa Barlow said something, and I rewound it like eight times to hear it, but she's like, my, you know, she asks her about her business, her family. No, she her family. I'm like, is Lisa Barlow doing a Lisa Barlow? Now, meanwhile, we have Monica and Mary, the two most odd people on any housewife show that we have seen. And well, that's probably not true, but at least Mary is going back to Mary's house because I feel like Mary's only shooting in her house these days and, you know, eating carrot cake. So random. And Monica's kissing Mary's ass. She loves Mary. And Mary actually seems to like Monica too. So they start talking about talking shit about Lisa again. So it's just now we have twosomes, twosomes, twosomes talking shit about each other. Okay. Then we have a scene between Whitney and Justin. Now, Justin should also have a middle name. I think we start calling Justin Gucci. Gucci Rose. Is Justin's last name Rose or is that just wild Whitney Rose? Um, Justin Gucci Fendi Rose is driving his Tesla from therapy. And Whitney has no expression. Once again, Whitney is like a robotic, high-voiced robotic person where she sits there and she says, do you think that therapy helps us or it makes it worse for us? And Justin goes, well, I think it helps. And then all of a sudden, Whitney gets a text message. And it, I didn't know this. I don't think anyone knew this, but her best friend, Sherry, who's appeared on the show multiple times, is very, very sick with cancer. And her text message that she got was that she's being intubated, which means, you know, like basically a ventilator that will be breathing for her. It's just awful. So Whitney gets very sad, understandably. And as she's talking about it, she's saying, I just can't believe my best friend is going, I think we're going to lose her. Justin, do you think our marriage is going to work? What? This was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. 
You're so sad about your best friend potentially dying that you find a way to make it about your relationship. Her bringing up consistent problems with her relationship in every single episode this season is so weird because I think Whitney and Justin have the strongest relationship on the show. Like, maybe not. But I just, I'm so confused by this. We have not seen one fight. We have not seen one drama. Justin seems really supportive and there for his wife. He's always, like, telling her how hot she is. I'm so confused by this, like, made-up relationship struggles. Like, why aren't we seeing Mauricio and Kyle talk like this? It's just Whitney and, you know, whatever. So, so Gucci Rose says, you know, I'm still here. I'm still fighting. Are you still fighting? And she goes, yeah, I'm still fighting. Okay. Uh, Forget about your friend, Sherry, who's really fighting. I also find it, okay, this is going to be a little much, but I also found it a little suspect when Gucci Rose said in the same scene that they're talking about how Sherry is going to unfortunately pass away from cancer and she's going to lose this fight. Justin Gucci Rose actually has the the ability, the timing to say anything you fight for, you can win. I'm sorry, what? I don't know. Rewind the tape. It's like, maybe don't say that in the exact same conversation that you're talking about, that your friend is fighting cancer and is not winning. Found it a little odd. So then... um, Poor Whitney with her friend, though. That, to me, was sad, but we're going to get into it in just a little bit. There was also a funny scene between Lisa Barlow and Jack going on to his missionary and his, and they were buying uh, suits for his missionary and um, for Columbia. And Lisa is just over the top, right? She's picking out suits that look like, you know, Ace Ventura or like Dumb and Dumber, like the craziest looking suits. And Jack's like, I just wish it was only dad here. Lisa's like, I'm going to miss you so much, Jack. I don't know how I'm going to do Thanksgiving without you. It's just going to be so sad. And he's like, yeah, I got to go. And she's like, I just, you're still a little baby in my head. And you're just still a little love. And I still love you from when you were still playing in your playground. And Jack goes, yeah, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm out. I'm okay, mom. Bless Lisa, because I'm talking shit, basically. But when my two sons move out of my house, I'm going to be a blubbering mess. Okay? So I absolutely can imagine how hard it is when you send your kids away to college or or a mission in Bogota. 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 So anyway, um, the big kind of like event of the, of the you know, there's always an event, um, is Meredith's jewelry event. Unwrapped, I think it's called. I can't remember what it was called. Meredith is a little like bland, like Blasville for me. I I used to really, really like Meredith, but in these episodes, other than rumors about your husband, I find her a little bit boring to me. So they go to this event. Everyone comes, everyone's happy. Whitney decides that she's going to come, even though her friend died a day ago. Now, if there's ever a time to not go and dress up and get glammed up to go to a filmed event, it would be the week that your best friend dies or someone that you love dies. Why the hell did Whitney go? Now, she said, I know Sherry. Sherry, no, I know Sherry. And Sherry would want me to do this. I think that Sherry would want me to go to fight with people on camera about her. 
No, she wouldn't. She wouldn't want you to do that. You want to do it. Whitney cannot miss an event, right? She can't miss an event because God forbid there's drama there. And she already knew that she had it out for Lisa, right? At this point, she already knew that she had it out for Lisa. Now, Lisa Barlow is not perfect. I've told you that. My opinion is that she can't win. She cannot win. Lisa Barlow cannot win because she, there's always someone that hates her because she is an outspoken person. She talks a lot. I don't think she listens a lot. And she talks a lot. And I think she is self-absorbed. All of those things I think are true. So she shows up to the party and she goes right up to Whitney and Heather. And everyone said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry to Heather. But from what we've seen, Lisa doesn't really even approach Whitney. I'm sorry to Whitney. But from what we've seen, we haven't really seen Lisa approach Whitney whatsoever. She goes straight to Heather and talks to her about some other stuff, like buys her a a present, et cetera. So Whitney, of course, gets really upset by this because I think she wanted Lisa to come to her immediately and give her love. Now, Lisa Barlow is big on Twitter. She's a tweetaholic. And when she'll tweet her way through these episodes, and I did see yesterday that she tweeted that before that party, she had called, she had sent flowers, she had reached out to Whitney. So it's not like she completely ignored it, but what my feeling was because Lisa has mentioned this a couple times during the party to different people. I feel so bad about Whitney. I'm not really sure how to talk to her about it. I don't really know what to say. I'm really uncomfortable. I personally think, maybe this is me giving the benefit of the doubt to Lisa Barlow, but I personally think that Lisa Barlow is one of those people that doesn't understand or doesn't feel comfortable around grief. You know how there's people like that? They don't know what to say when people are sad. They struggle with sympathy, empathy. They may feel bad, but they don't know how to communicate it. And that to me is maybe what is really happening there with Lisa. I I think that she should have probably gone out of her way to been extra sweet with Whitney, but she like, she got stunted. She just didn't do it. That's my gut feeling. She did have a conversation with Monica. They seemed to squash it. Um, But then, of course, now Whitney was starting to get really heated. And I could tell that Whitney has decided, this is going to sound so bad, you guys, because I do feel bad for Whitney with everything that happened with her best friend. But when you go through something really tragic and really sad, I don't like, ooh, this is going to sound bad. I don't personally like when people go through like really horrible losses or really sad things and immediately use that as like a weapon towards people. Like immediately become the victim. Because Whitney is not sitting in her home crying like under the covers. She is dressed up to the nines at a party drinking laughing and having fun. Maybe someone like Elisa doesn't really understand how to approach it because maybe she thinks Whitney doesn't want to talk about it. Maybe she thinks Whitney doesn't know how to really kind of commute, like Whitney wants to distract herself tonight. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. So I actually do think Lisa feels bad and felt bad. She mentions it a bunch, but she just doesn't know how to communicate it. So Whitney came ready to fight. Who's ready to go after Lisa, which is like, you know, she said on Watch What Happens Live last night, like, you know, my friend had just died. The last thing I wanted to do was fight with anyone that, you know, was alive. Mm, I 
I'm going to, I'm going to call bullshit on that. I think Whitney was very happy to argue with Lisa yesterday because Lisa immediately came to her and they started talking and Lisa's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't say that. I'm so sorry. Like, I feel so bad for you. I'm so sorry. Lisa could have apologized a thousand times. It didn't matter. Whitney was, had already made her decision that Lisa was the bad person. Lisa was the fake person. Lisa was the worst. Lisa was awful. And it really really hurt Lisa's feelings. And Lisa finally got so upset that she had a moment, a hot mic moment where she's like, get me off this mic. Fuck this. I'm done with this. Pull this off of me. I can't do this anymore. I'm so sick of this. Whitney called me fake, et cetera. I'm going to go team Lisa on this one. I think Whitney was going through a lot, but when you're so emotionally raw, maybe don't go to a party where there's alcohol involved and cameras. Just saying. Yeah, just saying. I, I I feel bad for Lisa in this one. I think some people are just really awful around grief. But it sounds to me, according to Lisa, she's sent, she reached out privately. So I don't like that. You didn't grieve perfectly with me. You didn't do enough for me when people die. I don't like that. People are, people are able to do things in their own way. There has to be like a little bit of, um, grace, like social grace given to people in terms of their grief processes. Okay. Now, a lot of people will disagree with me on this one, but that's okay. That's the housewives. We're allowed to disagree, right? We're allowed to say like, I agree or I don't agree. Anyway, so Salt Lake City was great. Next week, we're in Bermuda. Bermuda. I, I, Bermuda. I cannot wait for that. And, um, and that's that. Tonight we have Beverly Hills. We're all waiting with bated breath to see Morgan Wade show up. And I have a guest for tomorrow's episode that you will love and you'll see them tomorrow. Uh, Thank you guys so much for supporting Daily Dose of Donna and supporting the Patreon. You're going to get your extra episode today, later at some point today. And um, and that's it. I appreciate you guys. I'm thankful for you guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye.